Well, let me do a little uh, review, uh, but before that, uh, just I'm, I'm with Keith and on behalf of uh, all of our Texas Stonebriar team, uh, this has been a total delight. So all week we've been here and with y'all and around, and uh, this, is, this is a special treat. So I forgot when Keith asked me when we were in the hallways of the church somewhere, and he said, hey, Tony, you want to go to Ireland? And I was, I, I had to kind of do the Christian thing and say, well, let me pray about it. <laughs> but in my mind, I already had said yes. So um, this has been a total gift for me. So thank you. Um, thanks for letting me enjoy this time together. It is, it is a treat. Um, so let's just review kind of where we've been. So last Sunday morning, we said one of the gifts is God's compassion for you and everyone around you because our soul needs to know what God is really like. Uh, then... We took a look at Friday night that God's rich mercy is another gift uh, when there's sin, whether it be ours or the world's around us, because our souls need to know that mercy will never, ever run out. So uh, there is more mercy in God than there is sin in humanity. Uh, then we said uh, another one about God's care, and, and God's care is a gift when we are anxious because our soul needs to know that we are cared for and someone is paying attention. In those private moments, in those private thoughts, it is so good to know that he is paying attention. And then, we, yes, we did look at God's strength for any circumstance, right? Remember we said uh, any and all circumstance. We looked at that little phrase that Paul used, and it really means any and all circumstance. Because our soul needs to know that it can go on and never quit. There is always strength that is available to us. Well, we are going to take a look at the fifth and final gift, and that is victory. Victory. But I am going to, before we jump in, uh, I would love uh, to do this. I'm going to ask for some volunteers, okay? So if I could, indulge me, please. I'm going to ask you to read a scripture that we have looked at, okay? So, uh, Naya, could you please turn to Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 through 13? Uh, Christina, could you please read 1 Peter 5, chap uh, chapter 5, verse 7? Uh, Marco, would you be so kind to read Philippians 4.13? And Noreen, would you do me the honor of reading the passage or the verse that we're going to look at today? It's John 16.33. All right, now I'm really going to put you on the spot here. Okay, so could you read that in the language in which you grew up? So, there you go. So, now, <laughs> right? so we're going to hear Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 through 13 in German. And then we're going to hear 1 Peter 5, 7 in Romanian. And then we're going to hear Philippians 4, 13 in Portuguese. And then, Noreen, if it's okay. And by the way, I have, 
I have the iris pulled up in case, in case, yeah, I, I don't mean to, like, you probably know this perfectly, but just in case. I, I, do, I do have the iris pulled up right here. Hey, there you go. I love it. Okay. So that is, uh, thank you. We have such a wonderful international crowd. It is great to hear scripture just spoken in all kinds of languages. So, this is Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 through 13. Beautiful. Well, let's listen to 1 Peter 5, 7 in Romanian. Because we can cast our cares upon him. Because he cares for us. Beautiful. Um, and this is Philippians 4, 13 in Portuguese. Love it. Love it. Straight, powerful, to the point. And then finally, John 16, 33 in Irish. And that will be our passage for the day. Thank you, everyone. I really appreciate that. You know what? It doesn't matter where we are. God's Word is powerful, living and active in any and every language on planet Earth. It is life-giving, and so it is great to hear the Scriptures. So, well, just think about a time of, uh, that was recently outside of today, but, you know, in the last week or last month, when you were genuinely, like, man, your heart was encouraged, when you really really needed something, and someone came along to you, and, and they just spoke that word, or listened to you, or reminded you of uh, truth, or prayed for you, whatever that was, when, when your heart really needed that, and, and you were genuinely encouraged. Well, whatever that was like, I, I hope this morning, as we kind of end our time together, has that flavor to it. And that all of us walk away with that sense of significant encouragement from these words from Jesus in John 16, 33. He says this, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So... Uh, these past few years have certainly been challenging years uh, for me personally. Um, we have gone through all kinds of ups and downs in our life and our family. And, um, you know, and so I uh, wondered, you know, how, how does right, God's sovereignty and, and how does God's omniscience and how does God's, uh, he is all powerful, and, and how does that work sometimes in the realities of life when, when things just are tough, 
when, whenever there's difficulty and challenges. And, and so I'm like, how do those things, so this has been a lot of my prayers over these years, Lord, why does this happen? And, and how can this be? And, uh, and, and I don't understand, and I believe that you're all powerful, but I don't see anything changing. And so part of this process, as I've prayed over these, over these years, I mean, how do I settle my heart to bring these things together, right? When, when the realities of the world collide with the truth of God, and there's kind of a human perspective that sometimes it just, it just doesn't make sense. And this passage in particular has been of great help for me, and it has been a great encouragement for me to put those two things together. So what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of step through uh, a pa this passage little by little to understand what Jesus is describing here and he's summarizing in these words. So when he says these things I have spoken to you, it is in reference to uh, all that he has said in this Last Supper, right? Uh, so he's referring to chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, right? Chapter 13, it starts with the washing of the disciples' feet. This is the Last Supper. And so after these events, uh, Jesus is about to go to the cross. So this is his last time with his disciples, and he tells them many, many things. And so his time with the disciples, this... Uh, intimate gathering together, these are the last words that he speaks to his disciples before he prays. And he prays in John chapter 17. So he says, these things I have spoken to you. So what are those things that he says? Well, let me just summarize these chapters, 13, 14, 15, and 16. And in these chapters, he tells them, here is uh, a bunch of difficulties you're going to face. But he also says, here's the truth too. So just in review, you can go back and read those chapters on your own sometime, and, and, and it'd be great for you to do that. But some of the difficulties that he describes is, one, that Jesus is leaving, and he is physically no longer going to be uh, with them. So, uh, he also reminds them the ruler of the world is coming. Right? So, uh, he is going to be going away. And you remember we read Ephesians chapter 2. And we read about the power that is working now in the sons of disobedience. And, and the spirit that is uh, ruling. So, this is in reference to our great enemy, Satan. And so, he says that ruler of the world is coming. And this world is everything that is against God. And he also says, by the way, uh, this world, uh, if it's against God, it's going to be you. And actually, they're going to hate you. So don't be surprised whenever you go to Ornmore and people don't like you. <laughs> That's, that might be a, a paraphrase, an application of what Jesus is saying. And in the same way that this would be true for me, Tony, don't be surprised when the people of Frisco and you tell them, you know, that you're a Christian and they laugh you off. So, Tony, don't be surprised if they do that. 
So the world is going to hate you. Oh, and by the way, he tells his disciples, you're going to be outcast. He says this, the, the synagogues, are some of them are actually going to throw you out. So that whole concept of you don't belong to the community anymore. You're actually going to be seen as the villains and not the good guys. You're going to have grief. You're going to have sorrow. He says you're going to cry. There's going to be tears. And in fact, the world is going to be happy that Jesus died. And then you'll run away. These are the things that Jesus says <laughs> in these chapters. And you think, well, how in the world did he end in, <laughs> with that, uh, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace? Well, how in the world can that happen? You just told me about all these things. The world's going to hate us. There's going to be all, you know, the ruler of the world's coming. There's going to be grief and sorrow. And uh, you'll end up for a temporary time running away. But he also tells him in these chapters, he says, you know what? I want you to love as I have loved you. So, so even though the world is doing that, how we treat one another, okay, is treat each other the way that I have treated you. He says also, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. You already have a relationship with the Father. You don't have to doubt that in the suffering and in the difficulty that your community might cast you out. The synagogue might cast you out. But just it's okay because you're already tied to the Father. And not only that, the Father is going to give you another helper. That is the Holy Spirit. And this is how you stay connected to me. That's John 15, right? So in abiding, this is how we stay connected and have communion with God. And he says that you can talk to the Father and he will answer you. So yes, there are those realities. There are those difficulties. But rest assured that in the context of those challenges, you've got security of relationship. You've got security of someone who's going to listen to you and respond to you. Uh, and you know what? You have an assured future where you are going to. And by the way, that you don't have to treat each other bad as things get crazy with all the difficulties of just living out this new life in me. Says now you know how to treat one another. So these are the things that he said. So these things I have spoken to you, and he gives us the very purpose, right? So that in me you may have peace. So he actually says these things in chapters 13 through 16 for a purpose. And he told the disciples this, and as we hear these things, that the intent that he has is peace. This is why he tells us the truth. This is why he gives us a real picture of what is going to happen as we live out this life. Now, you'll notice he says, so that in me you may have peace. And, and what you won't see, what we don't read is, so that in good circumstances you will have peace. Or it doesn't say, so that in enough um, financial resource you will have peace. And it doesn't say, so that in a perfect family life you will have peace. It doesn't say any of those things. But what he says so that in me. So Jesus reminds us that it is in our relationship with him that that is where the peace happens. 
The peace is not a thing in a thing. It is in a relationship. And it is so easy for us to uh, forget. Man, wouldn't it be great if that circumstance changed or if that job situation changed? Then it would be okay. That's just a normal thing for us to do. But Jesus reminds us that it's not in that thing or that circumstance, but it is in him. Now, he also says, I just want to also make clear that when he says, so that in me you may have peace, it is peace. So in, in the New Testament, we, peace is used in, in, in different kinds of ways, and so you always want to pay attention to the context as we read the New Testament, because in some situations, this idea of peace is referring to kind of a legal peace between two warring parties, right? So you have Jews and Gentiles in the New Testament, and they did not get along, and so in Jesus, there was peace, right? Because you now you have two groups, they can get along because they both have a relationship with Jesus. Now, in this particular situation, Jesus is referring to an experience. We already have legal peace with God. We're no longer enemies of God because we're his children. So he says to his disciples that that is available to you. So a sense of well-being that is available to you. And this is why Jesus told of the disciples in these previous chapters about all of these things because he wants us. His desire for us is an experience that oh, will be okay in our hearts. Um, you might uh, remember well, uh, this definition. Oh, I went back. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we talked about this uh, idea of contentment, right? Jeremiah Burroughs said is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. We have peace. It's well with our soul, right? That's the song. We've been joking as Keith is our uh, team leader. When something, we're like, all right, are we going to get there? Or do we have, like, what's the deal with the hotel? Or are we going to get lost? And Keith, his word is, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So that's kind of our, te our team joke. Well, what time? Don't worry. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be grand. It'll be, it'll be grand. It'll be brilliant. Did I use that? Did I use the vernacular? Is that right? It'll be sound. It'll be sound. Okay. That's right. So that in me, you may have peace. Well, let's see what is us next. So he tells us the truth, right, in this world, that you have tribulation. Now, I've read some English translations. Uh, it says, in this world, you will have trouble. Uh, I appreciate uh, the translators. Uh, they do a wonderful job translating from the original language. But in this particular situation, the original language says, in the world, you have tribulation or trouble. So this world, in this particular context, this is the idea of the sum total of everything that is opposed to God. And you're going to have trouble. So, and I just make that distinction between you will have 
trouble, and here in this particular uh, translation, you have trouble, because when some translations say you will have trouble, right, that is forward thinking, right, that is the idea of something in the future, you will have trouble, but that's not what Jesus says. It said, Jesus says, you have tribulation, in this world, you have tribulation, this is a present reality, this is not something to kind of brace ourselves for, but this is a present experience, a present reality. So these things that he described in, in 13, 14, and 15, and 16, this is happening, disciples. This is reality. So this is not uh, some future concept, and it is, there's tribulation. It is because of our attachment to the person of Jesus Christ. That, yes, in him we have peace. This is what he desires for us. But this world has fallen. There is intentional evil. <laughs> I remember when I was uh, 18 years old, right before I became a Christian, and the girl who led me to Christ, uh, she was a Christian, and she was having one night a uh, small group Bible study in her home, just like all of us do. And I'm sitting there as a senior in high school, and I go in, to uh, the living room and they're playing songs and some guys leading worship and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking I'm not a Christian yet I'm thinking these people are weird what in the world are they singing about and they have a Bible and in my heart all I wanted to do was can we get out of here can we get out of here and so I don't know how it happened I just remember kind of nudging my girlfriend and, and we left so she was kind enough to say, okay, yeah, we can go, and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, in my fallen state, I had, I had no desire to be around those people. None. I wanted out. So this is the kind of people that we hang out with in life. So we don't have to be surprised. Now, I ask this question, what can happen to the human heart when trouble comes? What do you think? What are some of the things that can happen to us in our hearts when trouble comes? Despair. Despair can occur. Yep, absolutely. Fear. Fear. Anger. Anger. Absolutely. Doubt. Doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Because when there's one trouble after another trouble, after another trouble, and all of those things can occur, especially when we've been praying. Especially when, like, how come this hasn't happened yet? How come this hasn't changed yet? Why hasn't God provided this yet? And that's what can happen to the human heart when trouble can come. So, <coughs> he continues. And Jesus knows that. Jesus knows that we can be prone to doubt and be prone to anger and animosity at him. And he says, however, but there's a contrast. Take courage. This is uh, being resolute in the face of danger and in adverse circumstances. There is a confidence of purpose in the face of testing 
And uh, we use uh, language like, you know what, to not move or to be deaf to threats or to have a heart like a lion. These are different ways that we express this uh, concept of, but take courage. He says, yes, there's trouble. And Jesus says, but take courage. Now, by the way, this is not a, a new command. Okay? You, you'll remember uh, going all throughout the story of Scripture that's what God says to Moses, doesn't he? Absolutely. He says that to Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous. He says that to Gideon, right? He whittles down uh, Gideon's uh, troops to 300, and he says, take courage. right? Isaiah and Jeremiah and then Barnabas and Timothy, all of these uh, characters, these people that we read in the Bible, that they were told the same message, take courage. And so we as Christ followers, are along that same line. And he says to his disciples, and he says to us, he says, but take courage. Yes, there's difficulty, but take courage. Be courageous. And here he says, why? Where in the world? Because so far in this world, you have trouble, we know that he intends peace for us, right? So I've told you these things, so that in me you have peace. We, we know his desire, we know his heart, and then we know the realities. And he says, but take courage. And I'm thinking, before this last little phrase that he tells us, thinking, okay, how? How? But this is the crux of the matter. This is why. This is why it is possible to take courage when there is trouble and we understand we can have peace. Right? There, this idea of overcome, it is victory, it is conquering, it is prevailing, it is the idea of uh, to vanquish. And he says, now I'm going to... Uh, talk some language stuff here. Uh, this is an abiding victory. You remember we talked uh, earlier here in the passage that says that you have trouble. That's a present tense verb. Well, Jesus says here, I have overcome. So that's something that has happened in the past that has ongoing results, right? So that's uh, the idea. It's, it's not something that is future when Jesus returns, and yes, there's going to be those great events, but Jesus says right now that I have currently overcome the world, and that victory continues. We have victory, right? So, uh, Pork and I, we were talking about uh, American football and the Dallas Cowboys, and that's my favorite American football team, and they haven't won the championship since the 90s, but they won it, you know, back to back, and you know what, that after someone wins the Super Bowl, then they do it all over again, right? They won, there's a big celebration, there's a victory, and then next year, you got to do it again, right? You got to do it again. This is not that kind of victory. This is a victory has happened, and it is permanent, and it is forever ongoing. This is the kind of victory 
that Jesus has accomplished. I have overcome the world. So, um, you know, about this, um, you know, how we respond, um, it is directly related to our confidence in Jesus' statements, to the realities in which we live as uh, believers. And the, the more this little phrase that Jesus has overcome the world, the more that, is, that truth is embedded in our hearts, and the more we meditate on that truth in our minds, the more peace we experience, regardless of whatever that trouble may be. So, as believers, you know what? We have to be okay with the mystery of life. Because we're not going to know why God doesn't provide at that particular time in that particular way. And we're not always going to know why this tragedy occurred or why this difficulty is. Sometimes we just don't know. And Christians, we have to be okay with that. But we can be okay with the grief and the pain. So... May that little phrase be stuck in our hearts and our minds and for us to come back to that over and over and over in the realities of the world that Jesus has overcome the world. And that is a current reality. Okay, I'd like to finish with... All right, let me... Um, we'll skip through uh, these. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, I have to, I have to set this up. Okay? So, uh, I hope this is not too soon, because I know the game <coughs> last night was heartbreaking forever, you know, for the fans. Okay. But I'm about to share a story of victory. Okay? So, um, I'm a big uh, World Cup fan, not World Cup rugby. I'm interested in it, and I'm learning about it, but this is... Uh, a story about the World Cup of soccer, of if there's footballers out there, right? So I watched most of the tournament, and um, because I had been to Argentina years ago, sorry guys, so please, yeah, I hope we can still be friends. Um, but because I was in Argentina years ago, I just became a fan. I was in Argentina before Brazil, so you know, it's not my fault. Um, <laughs> So, so, I became, so I've cheered for them like for 20 years or something like that or more, 25 years, and I always kind of paid attention to the national team. And so it was always fun because, of course, Argentina was always going to be better than the United States soccer team anyway. So it was nice to have a good team to cheer for, you know, so, so far, so far. So the World Cup comes around, and man, and I'm watching every game, and every time Argentina is playing, I'm watching and I'm hoping, and you know, just the drama from last night that was in the room, like I get that because every game I was experiencing it, just like every game for the Irish rugby fans, right? There's, there's like that uh, anticipation and the drama and like what's gonna happen. Well, so I get that. So that's my experience with Argentina back last fall with the World Cup. And they hadn't won a World Cup until uh, the previous one was in the 80s. So it had been 36 years. 
So what I'm going to show you, okay, this is this. So they get into the final. If you guys don't know what happened and stuff like that, but they get into the final. And it comes down between them and France, and it comes down to penalty kicks, right? It was one of the most amazing football matches you would have ever watched if, if you enjoy football or, or soccer. And so we're going to watch the final call by the announcer on the final penalty kick. Now, you have to know this announcer that you're about to see. His name is Andres Cantor. And he's the guy in the Spanish-speaking world, and even in the English-speaking world, he's the guy that says, go. So he's that guy, okay? And he's Argentine. And so he hasn't seen Argentina win for 36 years, right? And in the same way that Irish, foot, uh, Irish rugby fans are like, oh, it's on the <laughs> right? There's... That's what he was experiencing for 36 years, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And let's watch this call. Oh, hold on. Okay, hold on. I got, I got where microphone. You got to hear us. Okay. Sorry. Got it. Got to get, uh, got to get it. Absolutely. Because somehow I sensed that whew, finally we won. You know what? And, and we do live in the reality of things aren't perfect. There's so much that is unknown. We have great times as Christians, like this weekend. I mean, it's a delight, this setting. I mean, how good is this? But we don't always get this. And so if there's a final gift that we can enjoy, it's his victory. Because oftentimes we do feel like we are losing. 
but our soul desperately needs to know who wins. We have got to remember who has won. So when Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble. But take courage. I have overcome the world. He has won for us. And now we join him in that victory. So whatever happens next in the life of these two congregations, he still has overcome the world.